WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio and the Late Night Fright would like to dedicate tonight's episode to all of the pets who have crossed the Rainbow Bridge and to their owners who love them so well. Dilly and Belle, this episode is for you. And now, the Late Night Fright. This isn't what happened last week. Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair. He didn't get out of the cock-a-doody car. Hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. What do Italian ghosts eat for dinner? I don't know what. Spookgetti. Boo. The Late Night Fright begins now. Only on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. You're listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. It's the witching hour. Time for the international sensation, The Late Night Fright, with your hosts, Dan and Faith. Welcome, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am your host, Dan, and with me, as always, is my lovely, my talented co-host, everyone's favorite barista, the owner of the Cozy Cafe, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to see you. You too. I think we have a pretty good show tonight, don't you? I think we do, too. We are going to be talking about the 1990 movie, Misery, written by Stephen King and directed by Rob Reiner. I like this movie a lot. I do, too. I could watch it all day long. I I don't know about all day long, but it's pretty good. So we, uh, you've had, you were telling me at the Hooters recently before the show that you had a very strange dream about me last night. And I before did. we get into this, I don't, this is not what you think, people. <laughs> so. No, I had a dream about you at Taco Bell dancing very well, I should say. And how exactly was I dancing? Like interpretive dancing. <laughs> so it was more on the interpretive side Kinda. and not the John Travolta Saturday Night Fever no, side. Not at all. Was you were there, doing like some type of like ballet stuff too, going on and twirling. And, wow. Was there any flamenco involved? No, unfortunately not. Apparently wow. in my dream you were preparing for a play or something like that. So. At the Cozy Corner Community yeah, maybe Playhouse, so. perhaps? <laughs> That's what it was. The most important question here is, what did you eat at the Taco Bell? Oh, I don't remember. I was too busy watching you dance. Too busy watching me No dance. idea. Well, uh, I hate to burst your bubble, but I cannot dance oh. very well. <laughs> and, that's uh, okay. That's, that's a little weird. Now, but you also told me that your sister had a dream about me she as did. well. Apparently we all moved to California. Randomly. Did I become a dancer in California? She didn't say. You probably did, though. <laughs> was she also at the Taco Bell? I don't think so. But she did have Taco Bell today, so. Now you're making me want Taco Bell. Well. So. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's been a pretty uneventful week. Uh, it is good to be here at WKMF here in Cozy Corner. And like I said, we I think we have a really good show tonight. I think so, I'm, too. I'm excited about this one. Me, too. But before we get into that, Faith, do you know what time it is? Is it time for the news? It's time for the news. Local area wedding band Fritterbag was recently inducted into the Cozy Corner Music Hall of Fame. The band has never released one piece of original music. Hall of Fame president Maurice Micklewhite said, Hey, they can't all be Luther Lollipop Haynes. Luther Haynes, better known by his stage name of Lollipop, had a hit in the late 60s with his song Lick It. Fritterbag still has trouble making it through Louie, Louie, and Dan, there are only three chords in that song. It just goes to show, if you hang in long enough and aren't very good, you too could be honored with a Hall of Fame plaque. And what three chords they are. Chanel recently introduced a new fragrance, Thrift Store by Chanel. 
Thrift Store is the preferred perfume of actress Helena Bonham Carter, music star Kesha, and actor Shia LaBeouf. Analysts say that while the fragrance can at times smell like a good deal, more often than not, it reeks of bad decisions. The Cozy Corner Town Council just wrapped up a three-year study on bacon. The report says that yes, bacon is indeed bad for you. The town council promptly threw out the report because bacon is GD delicious. And finally, our good friend Bobby is missing. He was last seen dining at a Hooters in Silver Creek after competing in the Silver Creek weightlifting tournament. A blizzard ravaged the area and police are worried that his 65 Mustang may have been run off the road. If you have any information on his whereabouts, please let us know. Faith, I, I'm very worried about him. I am too. I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. But, you know, um, the blizzard part has me worried. But he has been known right. to go off for, for a few days on his own. Right. So hopefully it's nothing too bad. Hopefully it's I just, hope not. Hopefully it's just, you know, he's uh, he's eating a lot of carbs. You know, Maybe he just so. doesn't, doesn't want to be embarrassed. Maybe so. <laughs> he is a remorseless eating machine once he gets gone. It's pretty <laughs> terrible. So... As I have said already, we are watching the 1990 movie Misery tonight. Well, we're not watching it. We already watched it. We're going to talk about the 1990 movie. Are you watching it secretly over there without me? It's possible. (laughs) It's possible. So, but uh, we're going to have some fun tonight. I I like this movie a lot and I hope to share some thoughts with you. But as always, before we go to the break, Faith, what time is it? It is Booger of the Week time. It's time for the Booger of the Week. My uncle called the Boogeyman the Boogerman and any monster or creature or any creepy crawly became a booger. So here's the Booger of the Week and we will see you on the other side. Booger. Dwight Fry began his career as a concert pianist before transitioning into stage and screen work. He found monster movie immortality in two of Universal Studios' early horror classics, 1931's Dracula and Frankenstein. He played the part of the tortured Renfield, driven mad by Bela Lugosi's Count Dracula and Fritz, Dr. Henry Frankenstein's hunchback lab assistant. It was his mishandling of the perfect brain in that film that led to Karloff's monster being given a criminal brain, and he would later become one of the creature's first victims. Fry would also appear in other Universal productions, including The Bride of Frankenstein, The Ghost of Frankenstein, and Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Whether playing a wild-eyed madman or a hunchbacked assistant, Fry specialized in mentally unbalanced characters. He left us much too early at the age of 44, but his legacy lives on in the classic films he appeared in. He even has a song dedicated to him, The Ballad of Dwight Fry by Alice Cooper, a tribute truly worthy of a booger. This is Antoine Duplass, psychic, uh, for the Wealth Jennings Corporation. Even I could not see that they would back a truckload of money up to my house and ask me to do their commercials. I am a very trusted member of this community, and I'm here to tell you that there's nothing to worry about. Wells Jennings, Antoine Duplay out. Hey, Dan. Hey, Faith. What is Dracula's favorite circus act? I don't know. He always goes for the juggler. Boo. We'll be right back. The Cozy Corner Community Playhouse proudly presents a production of Raiders of the Lost Ark, starring Faith as Marion Ravenwood and Bobby as Indiana Jones. Indy! Close your eyes, Marion! Also starring Antoine Duplay as Belloc, 
once again, Dr. Jones, we find there is nothing that you can possess which I cannot take. Yes, son of a bitch! Come for Faith and Bobby. Stay for Music Guy's heartwarming rendition of Marion's theme. Raiders of the Lost Ark, a production of the Cozy Corner Community Playhouse, starring Faith, host of the Late Night Fright, and Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the Late Night Fright. when I go to the feed store in town. Oh, now, Wally, give me a bag of that effing pig feed and 10 pounds of that bitchly cow corn. And in the bank, do I tell Mrs. Bollinger, oh, here's one big bastard of a check. Give me some of your Christing money. There, look there. See what you made me do. Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, how excited are you for this one? I am very excited about this one. I am very excited, too. We're talking about the 1990 film Misery, directed by Rob Reiner, starring James Caan and Kathy Bates. But let's first talk about the guy who wrote this book. Faith, you know that guy's name. Mr. Stephen King. I would say that he is perhaps the most famous name in horror. Mm Mm-hmm especially over the past 50 years. And I think he gets mentioned with the greats like uh, H.P. Lovecraft and Edgar Allan Poe. I think he's in in that Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. now. And he's kind of a brand unto himself. So let's talk a little about Mr. King. He was born September 21st, 1947 in Portland, Maine. He is an author, sometime screenwriter, occasional actor, one-time director, creator of the fictional towns of Castle Rock, Derry and Jerusalem's Lot, better known as Salem's Lot, a philanthropist and a Ramones fan. Very nice. What do you think of the Ramones? They're all right. Not my favorite. I've never really gotten too into them, but I don't hate them. There's a there's a time and place for the Ramones, and and when it's that time, you, I guess so. you better you better <laughs> you know, hey gabba gabba hey. Uh, so as we said, I think he's probably the most famous author in the world. What do you think? I think so too. And he's been there at the top since 1974 when he published his first novel, Carrie. And as I said, I think he's a brand all unto himself. So let's talk about him. What do you think of him and to what do you attribute his success and his longevity? I love him. I think he stands out uh, amongst writers, not even in, you know, that genre, but just writers in general. I think he's incredible. He knows how to tell a story from start to finish. He knows how to draw characters very well. And I think you can relate to them somehow in all of his work. I agree with everything that you just said, especially the part about him drawing characters. I think he does this just as good, if not better, than anybody who's mm-hmm. ever done it. Um He's written. He has written about a book a year since 1974. So mm-hmm. some are better than others. I mean, that's a that's that's a that's a workload right there. I, I mean, uh, so we're going back 45 years, yeah. something like. I think the number was 60 novels per. I think is what I is the wow. exact number I saw. So that's, not all of them are going to be great, but right. so many of them are just absolutely, you know, right. amazing. I I really do. I think it's the characters. And I think his themes are pretty universal and they strike a chord. Um, it's hard not to identify with the kids in something like It, right. um, even if you're not facing an evil creature that awakens every 27 years to feed. Uh, <laughs> but there's the outcast nature of those characters. There's the outcast nature of Carrie White in in yeah. Carrie. And uh, it's... Those characters seem to speak to an inner child. I know. Yeah. I know. I think about my youth when I read a lot of his work. Yeah, exactly. I think about growing up. Um, 
you know, there's the kids in uh, Stand By Me, which is yes. actually the short story of the body. But uh, so there's, you know, there's youth, those universal coming of age themes. Um, and then there's the fun stuff with the uh, supernatural mm-hmm. elements. But so we're, you know, there's the uh, coming of age, but then there's also the characters in Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, The Shining, and in this one, Misery, who are absolutely trapped. Exactly. And I think that hits the chord where we're reacting to these people on a very basic level. And with some of the things that he writes about, you know, they're so out there that if you don't have anybody to relate to, it could not work. That makes, that's a very good point. And his, more often than not, his work works. Exactly. He works his work. Yeah. Say that five times real fast. He works his work. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> I see. I see how it is tonight. So um, do you have a favorite book of his? And also, do you have a favorite movie adaptation of his? Yes. I feel like I have a lot more movies than I do books. Have you read a lot of his books? I haven't read too many. I read Carrie. I really liked Carrie. And then I read The Running Man years ago. Yes. Have you read that one? I I have read that one. He wrote that under, he had a pen name, Mm -hmm. Richard Bachman. Do you know anything about the pen name? Not too much. The only reason he wrote under the pen name was because he was having such success. He wanted to see if it was because of his name okay, or if it was sense. because he had talent. And I think Richard Bachman sold a whole lot of books, too. <laughs> so uh, so you said Carrie and the Running Man. Yeah, what I, else have you ventured into? That's really, I think, all I've read that I can remember. Um, but I like both of them a lot. Um, yeah, I've I've read... I've read a few more than you. I need I, to I'm read gonna, more. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. I need to read more. I, I feel like I have read quite a few, but not not as many as yeah. I probably should have. Um, as far as the books go, I'm very partial to Needful Things. I like that one. Are you I familiar read that one. with Needful Things? I know about things? it, but I haven't read it. Yeah, Leland Gaunt moves into town and opens a store called Needful Things, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a lot of fun. And they did a movie adaptation of that. It was okay. It, it. it wasn't. I know the story of it. It then. wasn't my my favorite. It's one of those you look at it and you think it could have been a whole lot better. It, I think that one might be due for uh, for a revamp. So, um, needful things. I'm definitely. I think that might actually be my favorite of the ones that I'll I've read. read. So, but movies. Now you've seen quite a few of the movies. Which what, what which do you ones my are favorite? you partial to? I'm gonna go with the shine. That is correct. <laughs> Which I think is his least favorite of the adaptation. The Kubrick version is his least favorite. I've seen it so many times. I love it. Also love Stand By Me. And I love Misery. I (laughs) I just love it. Misery. um, I I forget about Misery. It kind of. And it shouldn't slip through the cracks the way that it does. But I forget about that when I think about the Stephen King adaptations. Uh, Now, he said Misery is one of his, I think, top ten favorites Mm -hmm. that he's done. Have you read the book? I have not read the book. I know there are significant differences, not too many, but a few little minor okay. details. Um, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about those when we get into talking about the movie. Um, as far as the adaptations go, uh, the Shawshank Redemption is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I like that right one too. a lot. Uh, Stand by Me is another one that I really like. Um, I'm also very partial to a movie he wrote called Creep Show that uh, George Romero, who did the uh, Night of the Living Dead, directed. And this was an homage to the EC comics of the 50s that Tales from the Crypt was based on. So this is kind of Tales from the Crypt a few years before the TV show uh, started on HBO. It's, we're going to do this. We're going to get to this well, movie. And it. it's four different stories. And he's actually in one of them, Very which nice. is a lot of fun. And really good cast. It's, it's just uh, horror comedy. It's a lot of fun. Uh, also, I don't want to forget the television adaptation of It. I think that's a really good I've adaptation. Never seen You've never seen the whole thing. Mm-mm. For people of a certain age like me, we were watching the night it premiered on television, and it scared the bejesus out of us <laughs> when Tim Curry pops up out of the sewer <laughs> and asks Georgie if he wants to come down and fool it with him. There's <laughs> something, something a little terrifying about I it. I need to see that. You do need to see it. We need to watch that one. We'll have to watch that one for the show as well. So we just listed a few adaptations of his that were really good, I think really work, but there's a lot that there's, aren't Yeah, there's, there are so many that aren't good, but there really are so many that are good that, you know, right. I feel like my list would be a little long. But <laughs> right. Um, so he's 
he's actually set to have a pretty big year this year mm-hmm. because Pet Cemetery is coming out, the remake of that, and then It Chapter 2 as well. And I'm not sure if Season 2 of Castle Rock is premiering this year or not on Hulu, mm-hmm. but he's got so two major films and a major television series are coming out. But as we said, they've had some trouble with him in the past adapting him. But Rob Reiner, meathead from All in the Family, um, he's directed two of the best. Stephen King adaptations. And why do you think Rob Reiner is able to make such good movies out of the Stephen King stories? I think as uh, I think he has a good time connecting with characters. I mean he's you know he's he's acted, so I think he can figure them out very well and connect to them very well. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I have that written down as well. I think it's because of his his background mm-hmm. and the uh, you're completely on. That was exactly what I was going to say. But also the movies, the two that he's done kind of play like stage plays. Right. If you watch, you could yeah. do these things on stage. And in fact, Misery has been done on stage. Did mm-hmm. you know that? I didn't know that. And did you hear who was in it? I don't remember. It was uh, Laurie Metcalf, Aunt Jackie from Roseanne I played Annie right. Wilkes, and Bruce Willis played Paul Sheldon. Very so nice. pretty I cool. Could, yeah, I could have seen. Yeah. There's uh there's some neat footage on on YouTube uh, from a Good Morning America interview they did so I could totally see Bruce Me too. playing Paul <laughs> Sheldon um, but the uh, the stage play nature of the Reiner King adaptations is really great uh, he doesn't load them down with too much fat right. he just tells the story exactly. and the thing about these two movies uh, Stand by Me and Misery they're so simple. Mm-hmm. They're so simple. Four boys are going to go down the railroad tracks to go find the dead kid. And in this movie, a guy has a crash and gets stuck in a house with, oh. <sighs> she's a loony bird. <laughs> <laughs> so, but with, uh, with the Reiner adaptations though, because the stories are so simple and they're like almost stage plays, the actors get to do their thing. And this is why Kathy Bates is so good in misery and did you know she's the only person to win an Oscar for I a Stephen King mm-hmm. adaptation? And it puts him in the same uh, class as Alfred Hitchcock because only one actress won an award for a Hitchcock mm-hmm. movie. And it's escaping me right now, but we're going to look it up. I gonna, can't remember. I, know, I feel like I know it's, it's, who it is. It's, only one, and it's probably one of his blondes. Probably so. <laughs> so um, but Rob Reiner, I, I like Rob Reiner. The Thank run you. he had from 1984 with Spinal Tap, which is one of the greatest films ever made, to uh, A Few Good Men in 1992 is just absolutely wonderful. I think he's kind of fallen off recently. Yeah. Um, hopefully he's due for a comeback. And with, I don't want to get too far into the Disney Star Wars stuff. It's not my favorite, but I would love to see Rob Reiner do a Star Wars film Me because too. he knows how to tell a good story and The Princess Bride um, he can tell a fairy tale too Yeah. so I think I think they need to see they need to listen to the show and, and take I us up on this so, yeah. I like it so well we are going to go ahead and take a break oh Faith look who's here it's our old pal Antoine Duplay hello Dan hello Faith it is good to be here Hey, Antoine. Hi. What brings you to the studio? Well, I just came from the Cozy Corner Police Department, and they were asking for my assistance in helping them find our good friend Bobby, who, as you know, is missing. What were you able to help them with? Well, Faith, as you can see, this is a moist toilet. I see that. This is the moist toilet that Bobby was last seen using at the Hooters. He has never invited me to sit with him in his booth, but I will still assist him with the investigation, and I'm getting... Very strong psychic feelings that our friend Bobby is in danger. I see... I see... What do you see? I see a house. I see a bed. I see... 
Our friend is strapped down in pain. Oh no. It is a terrible vision. And I'm feeling the word hobbling. Does hobbling mean anything to you? I don't know. I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay too. Antoine, do you feel that the information that you gave them might lead them to finding him? I do not know. I can only hope. Do you think it would be okay if I went and sat in his booth at the Hooters? Yeah, I think I think yeah. he, he might be okay with since you're helping right. to find him. Very good. The Daytona sauce will be mine. Antoine to play out. Well, Faith, I hope that we can find a quick resolution to this. I, I hope that Me he's too. just off in a hotel room Me eating too. Captain Crunch because he doesn't want anybody to see him because, exactly. you know, the competitive weightlifting and yeah. all that. So, well, Bobby, wherever you are, please get in touch with us. We miss you and yes. we're worried. So when we get back, we are going to talk about the movie Misery. We hope we are so glad you're here with us. You have a lot of options. We're glad you're choosing to spend your time with us here in Cozy Corner. Faith, I love our listeners. I do too. And I want to thank them. I want to thank everybody who's tuning in. I want to thank you for your continued support. And we will see you on the other side. Happy to announce my new show on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio, Fortune Telling for Dummies, based on my new book. You can call in and I will tell you your future. Here's a preview. Um, so I just like really want to know, like, am I gonna die? Seriously, am I gonna die? Yes. Join me, Antoine Duplessis, here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio for fortune telling for dummies. I tell you I'll see you there, but I already know I will. Antoine Duplessis out. Hey, Faith. Hey, Dan. What are we watching next week? Halloween 18. Like Halloween Part 18? No, 2018. There's a lot of those movies. Yeah, I know. We'll be right back. You. You dirty bird. How could you? She can't be dead. Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Any in 1871, women often died in childbirth. But her spirit is the important thing, and Misery's spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And you are listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Faith... Let's get right into it. We said it's a pretty simple story. It's a pretty simple story, this movie. Mm-hmm. A very uh, well-known and not so much respected best-selling author has finished a book in Colorado. He leaves the hotel that he likes to finish his books in. Uh, well, does he finish them there? He, he writes them there, I, I believe. He writes them. He writes the books there, Paul Sheldon, and he leaves. He gets caught in a blizzard, and he is rescued by one of the most terrifying people I have ever seen put on a movie screen. And that is pretty much it. It's about him being uh, kidnapped and kind of kept prisoner in this weird woman's house who just so happens to be his number one (laughs) fan. What are the odds of that? I hope nobody ever tells me that. I hope no one ever tells me that. So that's the story, and that's pretty much you know, the the plot of the yep. movie. Now, there's a lot of things going on in this movie, and we're going to get to those, but let's talk about the star of this movie. 
America's sweetheart, Kathy Bates. What do you think of Kathy Bates in this movie? She is absolutely incredible in this movie. <laughs> she is amazing. She's an actress. I have said this for a long time. She, to me, is the female equivalent of Gene Hackman. She's. It doesn't matter if the movie's bad. She's always amazing. Exactly. Always good and always look forward to seeing her on screen. Me this too. was America's introduction to Kathy Bates. <laughs> so... <laughs> Not a lot of people. She was a well-known, pretty well-known stage actress uh, at this time. Now, before we get into what she does in this movie, let's talk about who was almost in this movie playing the role of Annie Wilkes. And that is one of our other favorites, Mm -hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, who we will from henceforth, I I believe we kind of came to an agreement. She's now known as the Pfeiffer. Right. It's just the Pfeiffer. (laughs) So. The Pfeiffer was almost in this movie. Now, before we talk about Kathy Bates, could you have seen Michelle Pfeiffer doing this? A little bit. I mean, I think she would have played the part just as well. But I don't I don't know. Kathy Bates is just so good in this. I think Kathy Bates in this movie is a 10. Mm-hmm. I think Michelle would have been a good 8-5. I was thinking more like 7, 7-5. Seven, 7-5, five. Seven, five, that's fine. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll go, we'll cut it and we'll go 8. Yeah. That's go. right. But anyway, but Michelle Pfeiffer is not in this movie. Kathy no. Bates is in this movie and... How terrifying is she? Oh, my God. She's scary as hell. <laughs> oh, God, she's just... I I put her in this movie up there with Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates in yes. Psycho. But I also put uh, who, by all accounts, is a very nice woman. And I've seen her, like, in interviews. She's a, she's a, she's a hoot. Uh <laughs> I put her up there with Karloff and Lugosi yeah. and Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and Robert England as far as the boogers go. This is this is one hell of terrifying, a booger. Terrifying, I know. Absolutely terrifying. Now, what makes her so terrifying to you? I don't know. I think it's how it starts off that she seems so normal and sweet and, you know, wants to take care of him. She doesn't seem very deranged in the beginning. And then it kind of surprises you how crazy she is and it makes it so much crazier and creepier there's i was talking to my mother about this and now she has never seen the movie but she's aware of what she is in this movie and has seen enough clips and i said what uh what terrifies you about her in this movie and then we got into the bigger stephen king thing with because she's not a huge stephen king fan even though shawshank redemption is one of her favorite movies of all time so go figure (laughs) and uh She said what scares her most about Stephen King's work is that it could happen. Right. The things in there, like forget the supernatural elements, those things could happen (laughs) to you. So this is, I think, one of the best cases of this could happen to you. And the sad thing is there are people like this out there. I know. And and if that doesn't raise the hair on your neck, I I don't know what it is. Because there's no zombies in this movie. There's there's no supernatural. Yeah, there's no monsters under the bed or in no. The there's no dream demon stalking mm-hmm. teenagers. There's this woman yeah. who lives. Who's a nurse? Who's a nurse who lives out in the middle of nowhere and really likes these Victorian era misery Chastain novels. And lucky day finds the guy who who wrote them and puts him in the absolute worst situation of his life. Yeah. So. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just laughing at how terrible it is. What I found most terrifying about her performance in in this is how easily she switched from the nurturing nurse Mm -hmm. to the absolutely rabid, you know, crazy She's so believable. Lady. I think I use that word so many she's times. She's very but believable. It's and like, she I mean, shows it, too. Like, yes. you can see it peeking out every now and then. The crazy mm-hmm. bones will be showing. And then and then she, she'll she pull back, and yeah. then she'll kind of go there. And the thing, I had texted you this when I was watching it. The thing that's amazing about her in this is that every now and then you feel a little bit of sympathy for mm-hmm. Annie Wilson. And you start feeling a little tinge of sympathy for this monstrous gluttonous woman and you the do. gluttony has nothing to do with her size and she's set up you know thematically as this you know the pig there's the pig right. and then you know everything is just kind of overkill you know she loves Liberace you know but, right but you feel a little tinge of sadness for her you do. and then it's a, that <laughs> slate is cleaned and she's 
torturing poor Paul Sheldon in, in some way. But let me add something. You, you mentioned her size. I think that's one thing I think I like about her, and I can see her better than Michelle Pfeiffer. There's something about her, her body and her body language that just suits this role so well. Well, she, she's an extremely built woman. Mm-hmm. And again, I know we're living in an age, some people out there might be thinking, oh, you're body shaming. I'm not, no, 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 not body shaming no. Kathy Bates at all. No. I'm, I'm looking at this character and she, the thing, I was going to bring this up and I probably have it somewhere in my notes. In the beginning, when she pulls him out of the car, one of the things is she's strong enough to carry him, right. which which sets the, to me, sets the entire tone of that she exactly. picks him up and carries him. Exactly. I couldn't see Michelle Pfeiffer I couldn't, yeah. doing that. It would change the whole way of, right. you know. Uh, this is something. We're, let's go ahead and just get into this now. I have this written down on my notes. Okay. Did you notice the imagery that they use for her at the beginning of this movie? So when you first, in, well, when she first encounters Paul Sheldon, the first image that we see is a crowbar. There's mm-hmm. this, it's everything is like these blunt objects, these yep. Uh, there was another one in there too that they that they were pretty, and then uh, you know the whole thing with the pig um, uh, mantelpiece the, um, that he whacks her on the head mm-hmm. with. But but blunt objects. She's identified with these very you know you know heavy right. metal. Some a lot of times metal objects. Yeah, yeah the sledgehammer. sledgehammer. The sledgehammer. Yeah. The blunt. Like I said, the blunt. Uh, yeah. How could we forget the sledgehammer? <laughs> perhaps <laughs> the worst. The one. image. The image of this movie. But uh, she she's identified with gluttony and with um, with with blunt objects, and she's very strong. She's built like a linebacker, exactly. and I mean she. That was the thing when I was watching it. She just picks him up like a rag doll, puts puts him on the back of on on her back, and carries him like Han Solo finding Luke Skywalker <laughs> on the ice planet of Hoth. Which that scene did remind me of Han Solo finding Luke Skywalker on Hoth. I just had to mention Star Wars because yes. we will be talking about Star Wars in just a second. Uh, Star Wars is going to come up. So uh, so we did. <laughs> she's great. I love her in this movie. Oh, I'm, me too. I'm just giggling thinking about her. Um, so she's wonderful, but she has a co-star in this who is, I think, just as wonderful. I think actually has the harder role I think so too. in this, and that is James Caan. And James Caan, if you have not listened to the show before, he has an award named after him here in Cozy Corner. It's the very prestigious James Conn Award that's given out by the Cozy Corner Italian American Society in Faith. Do you want to tell them what that award is for? I don't remember. It's for non-Italians who should be that Italian. Right. That's right. Billy Joel got this award that a few right. weeks ago. <laughs> uh, James Conn, of course, um, James Conn is Jewish, but everyone thinks he's Italian because he, he was in The Godfather. It's so strange because my Italian grandfather, they're identical. They sound the same. They look the same. They act the same. It's it's kind of creepy. I always say that every time I watch a movie with him in it, I'm like, that looks just like my grandpa. We should give him the James Conn Award. We should. The prestigious <laughs> James Conn Award. I really like James Conn. I've, I've always liked uh, James Conn. Going back to The Godfather and a lot of other things that he's been in. Uh, I was talking to my good friend Cade, and he said, oh, man, his show Vegas that he had was, was great. Uh, so... My aunt loves James Con. Like I think everybody. Loves I think James everybody Con. loves James Con. He's kind of a national treasure too. Yeah. You know, um, and this is a guy. He's been working a long time. He was in movies with John Wayne. He's been he's been in movies with everybody. Yeah. You know, these great big stars. What did you think of him in this? I want to say he was my favorite part of the movie, but then I'd probably be lying because I love Kathy Bates just as much. <laughs> right. He. But he's so good in this. Why do you think he's so good? I don't know, you know, it's just, you feel for him, you root for him the whole time, and you just have the sympathy for him, and he plays that character so well. He said uh, in an interview that this was a challenge for him because he's reacting the entire time. He said he had never played a guy who reacted for a movie like this guy did, and he, I think she works because of him, and the movie's tone, I think, comes from him because there are times when his reactions are very funny. Yeah, <laughs> his you know this this cuckoo world that he's in. My my personal favorite is when he flips her off, and we'll I, you know usually we save our favorites, but yeah, it. it's when he flips her off. Um, but there are other times too when it's absolutely terrifying, and he's I think he's just very solid in this, and mm-hmm. he makes her seem better, and she's already really good. Yep. But the two of them are dancing this entire oh, movie, and 
Uh, interesting trivia fact, he was not the first choice for this movie. Really? The original choice was William Hurt, who I think would have been very, very good. And then he passed on it or couldn't do it. And then they just kind of went down the the line uh, of the guys who were just you know the big stars at the time. So Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, uh, Dustin Hoffman was on the list. Uh, Harrison Ford was on the <laughs> list. Uh, bunch of guys. And then somebody finally went, well, what about... James Caan, and I don't think he was doing anything. So Glad they picked him. <laughs> you know, uh, I heard Richard Donner, the guy who directed Superman, say once uh, when they were casting the 78 movie that sometimes your first choice is not the best choice, and I think in this case, I think they really did get the best choice. Yeah, I think and so, too. He's great. She's great. They're great together. They make this Wonderful. whole They make this whole thing work. So so now we've got the two, uh, the two leads out there, and really... It's just the two of them. There is a little mm-hmm. subplot with uh, the Sheriff Buster, played by Richard Farnsworth, mm-hmm. and his wife, and they're absolutely delightful, too. But really, this is this is James Caan and Kathy Bates' movie. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the movie itself. What do you think this movie is really about? I think I had texted you things that I had noticed watching this movie. And again, I'm not an expert. I don't know 100% you know, what it's about. But um, watching this, I feel like Annie kind of represented kind of like self-approval or self-doubt of yourself or second guesses, something like that. You know, he's writing this new book that's completely separate from these misery books. And, you know, he might be doubting himself while he's writing it. And I don't know, something I picked up. No, that's that's a that's very good because I think it ties into actually what Stephen King was writing about, and a lot of people think it's him feeling trapped by the horror novel, and he says that's in there. But also, he was dealing with some heavy addiction at the time, mm-hmm. and he said that Annie Wilkes and the gluttony mm-hmm. kind of represents that aspect right. of himself. So he said he's in Annie Wilkes too. Everybody wants to make Paul Sheldon him out to be Paul Sheldon. He said he's in there too, but he said so it's about his addiction. Um, so I'll go there. I'll go there. I think I, I think like your read on it is is very good. Like I said, I don't know if I'm right, if I'm wrong, but something I noticed. Um, you know, being trapped by success, being trapped by a by a creation. I think any creative person, I could see that. You know, mm-hmm. how many people get tight? They they get typecast. And mm-hmm. Stephen King himself, no, he's a right. horror writer. You know, exactly. um, comedians. You see it with you know comedians trying to do dramatic work or or things like that. So uh, I don't think they get. Uh, trapped to the extent that Paul Sheldon gets trapped in this in this book <laughs> but uh, or movie I should say uh, I also see this uh, and I'm pretty sure he didn't mean it to be this but I do see this as a commentary now 30 years later on modern fandom and yeah. with you know the rise of these Marvel movies mm-hmm. Star Wars Star Trek things like this yep. a lot of the fans feel that they own the property yes. I am old enough to remember I was around when the original Star Wars movies came out. I was also around when the Star Wars prequels came out, and George Lucas caught a lot of hellfire for those movies from a certain section of the population that said these awful things about him, that he you know, had ruined their childhood. The actual term that they use is he raped their childhood, which is just an absolutely, Jeez. I think, awful thing <laughs> to say. Uh, I know. And I just want to say this, too. Uh, if you don't like the Star Wars prequels, that's your God-given right. right. I'm not going to argue with you. I think they're wonderful. Me I think too. their works. I think they're, actually, I think they're George's masterpieces. That's for another time and place. We should do a Star Wars show, though, don't we you think? Should. We should. We should get Caden to do a Star Wars show, I think. I think he might actually be possibly planning that with us. So. Perfect. But um, that's an awful, reprehensible thing to say. And if you're that insecure, your world revolves around a movie and that it can change, you know, something from 20 years ago. That there, There's a lot of insecurity there, I, right. I think. And I was having this vision of poor George Lucas stuck in a bed <laughs> with some irate prequel hater, you know, you know, you know, you're going to write this movie again, you know. No, it was good the first time, <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. And uh, 
I don't know, but do you do you get that idea though uh, with certain oh. segments of fandom yes. that they actually feel like they own mm-hmm. the material? Yeah, and I don't agree with it. I I don't agree with it either. Uh, do you think that once an author publishes a book or directs a movie, uh, creates anything of artistic merit, uh, who do you think owns that piece of work at that at that point? The author or the creator? <laughs> I mean, really, that's. I, I, I do, too. I fall on that side. I think that if you're going to do any kind of proper analysis of something, you have to start with the original intent. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people these days are getting away from that with some postmodernism where, you know, your feelings are most important. Well, what you bring to a work is important, too, but you need to at least be jumping off from what the author was intended. And that's exactly. that's very interesting. See, you picked up on that immediately with Misery that it, there's the issue of the self-doubt mm-hmm. and addiction is self-doubt and mm-hmm. and those things so but uh i do i think that the author is is the owner of the yeah, work me. and and you just enjoy it yeah enjoy it for for what it is exactly. so um let's go back before we go to a break let's go right. back let's go back to kathy bates let's do it <laughs> let's talk about annie wilkes a little more because I found myself, I was really enamored with Annie Wilkes throughout the week. And I think I was texting you Annie Wilkes, Annie Wilkes messages. You were sending me pictures. And- I, was sending, okay. I was sending pictures of, of Annie Wilkes. What was, uh, what stood out the most to you? Like just maybe something that she did or, or said or, or just anything about the character. That just everything like, When you think of her, her what, what do you think about? I don't, everything about her stands out. She's just... Alex, I think it's how normal she she comes off in the beginning when he, you know, I'll take such good care of you. And it's like you believe her. And when does it start? When does it start to change for you? I can't remember. For me, it's it's the part where she has the problem with the language in this new book. That's exactly that's it. There's something real puritanical that's about it. her right there, and you can even see it in his eyes that he's even like, "What's happening?" It's starting <laughs> Who is to, this? it's starting to crack there a little yep. bit. So. We were talking, uh, I don't have this written down, so this is coming just right out of my head here. This is just, we're extemporaneously going there. Um, one of the things about her that I noticed watching this again is that she there's this overbearing mother aspect to her. Now, where this started for me, and I'm not trying to gross anybody out who's listening, when she dropped the soup on him, mm-hmm. okay, my first thought that I had as I was watching it was I thought after birth. I don't know why that popped hmm. into my head. I have no idea what after birth looks like. But there was something about that, you know, like water breaking or something. I don't know why That's that struck me that way. But hmm. she's this overbearing mother figure. And then we get into the dragon lady and she killed those kids. Yep. You know, overbearing. Yeah. And did they say how she did it? Because I have a feeling she suffocated him. I really think she suffocated him. I could him. see that. Because that's what she's I doing. Know. She's doing to him for this this entire movie. Yep, suffocating the whole time. And um, I, I don't know. I had that thought though that she's just this overbearing yeah, mother. I can see that mother figure. Uh, something's out of whack with with her. Yeah. Um, now Paul Sheldon though is not without sin. He's uh. <laughs> I think, for lack of a better uh, phrase, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Do you, do you get the idea that he's a yeah, jerk? I do. An egotistical, mm-hmm. egotistical jerk. Did he deserve what he got? No. I don't. Th- I don't think he deserved <laughs> no. that, though. No. I don't think he deserved that. And I just, I just want to go ahead and state this, just, uh, just for the record, that uh, the title of this movie works on two levels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. There was also something there with the Annie Wilkes. Uh, character that just kind of broke my heart that this lady reads these Misery Chastain novels that it just I don't know why that that really and it kind of like takes over her kinda, whole life you that's know? like it's a supermarket you know yeah. kind of novel and, and she's based her whole world around this there was something very empty about it mm-hmm. I don't know but she's very empty I think on the inside I too. So. She, I can't seriously though. Uh, if you have not seen Misery in a while, go watch this movie you have again, to. and then watch it again and again and again. And again. It's it's uh, it's really it's really really amazing. I I can't say enough good things about it. And Rob Reiner, 
the job he did on this. It's just very simply, it's very simply told. It's very easy to get into. It grabs you from the beginning and does not let up until the very end. And even there at the end, it's still grabbing you, which Mm -hmm. I think is really good. That sounds like a... My, this is one of my, my grandma's favorite movies, too. And when I told her we were doing this movie, she actually went and watched it twice when I told her about it. I, I she's watched like, it I can't, twice. I can't stop watching it. I was like, I know it's that good. <laughs> I watched it twice. And it's and it's her. Exactly. It's 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 like watching. She pulls you in. It's like watching a master painter, mm-hmm. you know, create something. It, she's yeah. just. And what I like about Kathy Bates as an actress is she's so easy. It's just yeah. there's nothing that's really. Uh, nothing seems uh, forced with her. Exactly. She's, yeah, exactly. she's very. Very natural. Yeah. Like I said, Gene Hackman. She reminds me of Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Uh, just how, how good she's she's just always that good. And this is and she won an Oscar for this too. Yeah. And I don't she put much to. stock I don't put much stock in awards, but every now and then something's so good that you go, well, some they, they deserve an award for I'm that. the same way, yeah. This is one of those where she deserved yep. an award. And uh, just personal bias, like in two thousand and fifteen when Sylvester Stallone deserved an award for playing Rocky Balboa in <laughs> Creed, but he didn't get it. Unfortunately. Okay, I don't know why we're talking about Rocky Balboa. Because now. Rocky Balboa is awesome. He is. He's the best. He is. Um, Annie Wilkes is, I think, number 17 on the AFI Top 100 All-Time Villains list. Do you agree with that? Oh, she should be, like, number, like, at least in the top 10. I put her top five. Yeah. I put you? her top five. I texted you. I think I texted you this when I was watching the movie. I think she is actually more terrifying in this movie than Robert England is in 1984's Elm Street. I stand by that. I, she's terrifying. She is. She scares the hell out of me in this movie. Because she's not just in a dream. She's could, real life. She could get you. She could get you. So if you're out and about in a blizzard and you're driving your 65 Mustang, <laughs> be careful yes. who, who, who crowbars you out of that exactly. car. It could be... It could be your number, your number one fan. Yeah. You never know. So we're going to go to a break. You have anything, anything before we go to a break? I think I'm good. I think I'm good too. We have a little more to talk about with misery, but uh, we're going to go to a break. But we have a real treat for you here, Faith. We're going to play. This isn't an exclusive because this is a big hit song. We're going to play "Lick It." Yeah, let's do it. By Lollipop. Let's do it. Luther, Lollipop, Haynes, Cozy Corner. Hall of Fame, Music Hall of Fame mm-hmm. inductee. This is his big hit song. Now, this is not the original version. This is actually right. a, a, a re-recorded. 60s. This he he did a, a a new. He's done this song like every couple of years, whatever style is hot. So I don't know which one we have here, but this is Luther Lollipop Haynes' hit song, big hit song, worldwide number one. Lick it. We'll see you on the other side. On grounds of taste, WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio, cannot play Luther Lollipop Haynes' worldwide number one smash hit single, Lick It. Please enjoy this rendition of St. Francisville Sunset by the Cozy Corner Symphony Orchestra.
nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. Welcome back, boogers, to the Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are going to finish talking about the 1990 movie Misery that won Miss Kathy Bates' uh, well-deserved Best Actress Oscar. As is tradition here on the Late Night Fright, we like to finish up with our favorites. Uh, so, Faith, favorite moments here in Misery? Uh, I'm going to start off my favorite moments uh, every time Kathy Bates opens her mouth. Very good point. What are some of your favorite things that come out of that mouth? Oh, all of them. <laughs> no, I'm not going to pick that. Um, I have a very specific thing that I love. Please I don't share. know if it's more of a scene, but it is her speaking. When she smashes his ankles. The hobbling scene, and the very she, famous and, hobbling and scene. And then she says, God, I love you. Talking to him. Right. Like, oh, that is crazy. <laughs> I love it. The one that gets me in that moment is uh, just one more to go. Real soft. Like, matter of fact, just one more to go. (laughs) She's a sociopath. So, you know, easy and nice. (laughs) Uh, My favorites uh, that come out of her mouth are uh, the cockadoodie car. Yes. (laughs) Which I think is, is one. Doesn't she call someone a poop? At one point when she's driving in the town, when Buster, the sheriff, sees, like she, she I think she gets out the car and says, you poop. So. Uh, my personal favorite, though, Cockadoodie Car is so wonderful. I think uh, I've been saying Cockadoodie Car for a while. Uh, I really like when she, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing, when, she, when they're having dinner and she says she doesn't like the profanity. Is she going to go down to the bank and say, hey, I got a big bastard of a check. <laughs> Give me your Christ and money. <laughs> I think, I don't know why, I don't know why that is so funny funny to me it really is and and a lot of it has to do i think with the character you know the Mm -hmm. way that she is but then a lot of it has to do with just the way that kathy bates you know says these things um uh one of my other favorite moments in the movie we already mentioned this is when he flips her off yes i and her reaction to that oh you big kidder (laughs) she almost has that fargo thing going on that francis (laughs) mcdormand had you know that kind of Minnesota thing going on, yeah. you know, that that, mm-hmm. that Midwest, real kind of Midwest, Minnesota type accent going on. I think that makes it even funnier when she says <laughs> these things. Um, uh, also the, really like the, um, sorry to interrupt you, um, when she brings him the book and the barbecue pit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then Heavens <laughs> to Betsy, Heavens to Betsy, Heavens to Betsy. I love that part. Um we're talking about these two, and we haven't talked too much about uh, Buster and Virginia. Oh, yeah. Uh, my actual favorite moment in the entire movie is when Buster and Virginia are in their little car, <laughs> and she puts her hand on his knee, and he gives her the <laughs> it speech. It made me giggle. He gives her the speech about, you know, when we're at home, you're my wife, but when we're at the station or in this car, I'm the sheriff. You and know? then she says she'd rather be under the covers with a sheriff or, something, or her husband or something like that. Uh, yeah, her husband. Yeah. Boy, you keep things spicy. <laughs> There's that mouth again. <laughs> I there's so much fun. They almost deserve their own movie. They do. Like they could have been. They really could have been in that more. That would have been nice. I almost would have wanted to have uh, wanted them to film two movies at the same time. So you see this through their eyes, right? <laughs> you know, Buster in Virginia, played by the great Richard Farnsworth and Francis Sternhagen and Stan. Uh, did you recognize Virginia? Did you? Did she ring a bell? Did she look familiar to you? I don't think so. She played uh, Mrs. Clavin, Cliff Clavin's mother, on Cheers in a few episodes. Okay. So, uh, and in case you haven't ever watched Cheers, you've, I've seen it. I haven't seen it. Well, oh, I know, I know you've, I know you've Cheers. seen Cheers. <laughs> uh, if you're out there and it's been a while since you've seen Cheers, definitely check out Cheers again. And you're actually a big fan of Frasier, aren't you? Yes, I am. I. I oh, like I say you remind me of Frasier. Frasier. Well, yeah, maybe it's the radio thing. <laughs> That's what it is. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe if we have famous people call in, uh, you know, you'd be more like Frasier. Speaking, speaking of famous people, we actually are working very hard, and we have it's pretty much confirmed. Uh, we are going to have a, a somewhat well-known name on the show. I think mm-hmm. somewhat well, he's well-known in certain circles. Yes. Uh, kind of genre-specific. 
to what we're doing here. So stay tuned, boogers. Absolutely. Uh, we are sending this up, and I think we're going to have a pretty interesting guest for you, for you all to so listen cool. to. So uh, let's get back here. Uh, I would Ms. like to add something yes. about this. Um, see if you agree. The snow and the ice, or just the whole blizzard effect of this movie, it's like perfect because of the whole fact that, you know, he's trapped in this house. Oh, the roads are closed. The phone lines are down. Mm-hmm. I feel like you couldn't have had a better situation or scenario without a blizzard, you know, like. And then no one's ex- looking for him. Right. To kind of explain, like. Right. Why he's trapped. Like, and literally. then it also adds to the whole, you know, the theme of the loneliness and mm-hmm. the isolation. That's you know. exactly what I have here, isolation. And, but, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah, it, it, you know, some people, I think one of the knocks I've, I've read about this movie is, oh, everything's so convenient. You know, oh, she's his number. Listen, it's a story. Exactly. It's a story with a lot of layers. Mm-hmm. Like Shrek, it's an onion. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on here. Um so, uh, did you find anything? Did you happen to come across anything differences from between the book and the movie? Did you did any of that pop up when you were looking? No, I did things? not. The only thing that I found, I know that there are probably a lot of you know uh, differences, but the biggest difference I think is when she hobbled him, she actually cut one of his feet off oh. with an axe. Goodness gracious! Goodness gracious! Yeah, but um, so there's that. And Rob Reiner uh, argued that he did not want that in the movie. He said because it would take you too much out of the movie. It's mm-hmm. something you can't come back from yeah. on screen. And the guy who wrote this movie, uh, William Goldman, is a very well-known screenwriter, just recently passed away. He wrote Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and wrote a whole bunch of other great movies, wrote a book on screenwriting that if you're a writer out there, I highly recommend checking it out. So, Faith, uh, Misery, final thoughts? What do you think? It's an incredible Two movie. thumbs up? Yes. Two thumbs up. Uh, anything else that we're that we're missing here? Favorite moments? I would like to say I enjoyed um, as he got in the car. The song started playing. Shotgun. When Shotgun by Junior Walker played. That's. Do you know that's the one thing I remembered about this movie, and I wanted to add that too about the imagery. The first image in this movie is of the cigarette and the match. Mm-hmm. So, combustion and burning, and that is what is happening throughout exactly. this movie. He is the cigarette, and she is the match. Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, that's one of my favorite uh, moments, too. I like the moment when he lights that cigarette, when he lights that, when strikes that match on his finger. It, mm-hmm, he's too. so cool I know. in that moment. you know. And then he throws the snowball, and he's off you know, driving. It's a really good movie. It really it, is. It's just a good movie. I want to watch it again. Uh, so we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this. Uh, what do you think about the most famous scene in the movie? Which one? The hobbling scene. I thought that's what we were talking about. It was awful. Isn't that terrible? Oh my gosh. (laughs) How good was that? uh, How good was that? uh, The special effects job on the legs there. (laughs) That I, it, yeah. You could feel it. You you can, I like that he showed that first one. Mm -hmm. Barely. Yeah. You get enough of it to know what's happening and then they keep it on his face on the second one. I thought that was a, that's all you need. I thought that was a very good, uh, good move there. (laughs) I, and, you know, I didn't find the movie too too uh, violent no. at all outside of yeah, that. It's not gory. It's not violent. You feel it at the end, too, when he smashes her face with the, uh, right. with the statue thing. I actually read that she cried before those scenes because she was afraid of the violence about to happen. Really? Mm-hmm. That she didn't want it to happen. So she cried before those scenes were shot because she knew it was coming. Interesting. Uh, Very interesting. She was. She's great. She's great. She's one of my favorites. She's definitely one of my favorite actresses. Me too. Like of all. I think of anything that I don't like her in. That's right. Unsinkable Molly Brown. Yep. Unsinkable (laughs) Kathy Bates. There's a really funny story. We're going to end misery on this. It has nothing to do with misery. She had. uh, She's been on, on American Horror Story quite a bit, and she had some health problems. I think she had a double mastectomy, and so she had. Uh, what do they call? Not implants. Like uh the false you know like implants? no not an implant <laughs> like uh she was wearing false breasts you know for oh. cosmetic like i guess is the word right. i'm looking for so uh they were trying to get a shot and it was like from her side or something like this did and her boob fall down no, no so <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't get the shot and uh 
they said, Kathy, you know, you're, you know, you're in the way. And she goes, well, hold on. And she just took it off <laughs> and they were able to, no, they were able to get the shot. I, it's on, you can watch that. It, it was on the CBS Sunday morning show oh, uh, sometime last year. I was, I was having my donuts and my coffee and listening to Kathy Bates talk about taking her boob out. Oh, and, uh, and it was just the most <laughs> funny, you know, she was, you know, it was, it was, you know, kind of just this amusing anecdote that she told. I was like, I love her. Like, this is. <laughs> What a what a neat lady! I I do I like her I like Me her too. a lot. So uh, definitely boogers. Watch Misery if it's been a while since you've seen it. Watch yes. it again, and if you've never seen it, sorry we spoil it for you, but uh, you should you should check it out. <laughs> and one other thing, how beautiful was Lauren Bacall in this movie? She was an older lady at this point. How beautiful mm-hmm. was she? Was still a gorgeous woman up until up until she passed away. Great great voice, great look about her. So. I like it. Me too. And we are actually getting a phone call. It's been a while since we've gotten a phone call, but mm-hmm. we're going to take a phone call. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling pretty good Let's too. Do this. Let's go ahead and get it. You are on the Late Night Fright with WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. What is on your mind tonight? Hey guys, it's me, Bobby. Bobby, where have you been, man? We have been looking for you. Yeah, so I was at that weightlifting contest. Hold on, I gotta be real quiet. Cause listen, you guys, I ran off the road and this lady found me and she said, like, I don't know, like she's my number one fan and she's been keeping me in this house, making me do radio shows just for her. It's absolutely crazy. Okay, are are you all right? That's the most yeah, important that's what thing. I know. Yeah, well you guys, she uh she hobbled me. She hobbled you, like, in the movie Misery? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. I'm sorry, I can't be real quiet, you guys. Like your ankles? No, she didn't do my ankles. Uh, your arms? No, not my arms either. Uh. What other extremity do you do you have, Bobby? Dad, don't make me spell it out for you, okay? I think I know what he's talking about. She oh gives gosh. no meaning to cock a duty if you catch my drift. Oh my gosh. Faith, don't laugh at Bobby. I'm this sorry. Is I can't help it. You guys, hold on. You gotta come get me. I'm in Silver Creek. I'm up in the middle of the woods. Oh no, here she come comes. Here, my little oh, no, stay away from me, lady. Stay away so from me. Stay. No, I'm not gonna hurt no! you. No! Faith, I think we need to go. I think so too. I don't think we're gonna finish the show tonight. I don't think so either. Who do we blame for this? I don't know, this lady? Crazy lady? Crazy lady? You little <laughs> son, son of a, a bitch. bitch. She did 